0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Monday, September 14th, 2020. Last time we talked, Aaron, you had just gotten the Square Enix marvel's avengers game and played through and enjoyed it but there was also some stuff you wanted to circle back on so did you in fact circle back so far yeah we've we've gotten to touch on a little bit one of my friends
1: was on vacation so uh, as a courtesy i did not play a a few of my characters so that they would be the same level as his characters because if i plow through the game and enjoy it all by myself by the time he would have gotten back from vacation when we joined up his character wouldn't have been able to join with mine because of the level difference was so great. So, yeah, I left about half of my team unleveled, and then the other half I I played, and I played the heck out of Thor and the heck out of Iron Man because Thor with Mjolnir, when you throw the hammer and you hold out your hand and it comes back and it hits the enemy on the way out and then it hits him in the back of the head on the way back, it's so satisfying the second hit, right? Everything about it is just cool. The sound it makes, the way it flies. I mean, just everything. I I love playing as Thor. Such a treat. But now that my friend's back, I'm playing uh, some of my ground based characters that can't fly. So a lot of leaping around with Hulk, a lot of stretching with Miss Marvel
0: and a lot of gunplay with Black Widow. Very cool, okay. Be intrigued as you continue to play through those characters, what you find out, but. All right, one story we're not gonna be doing a particularly deep dive on today is the, the Chris Evans photo story that broke over the weekend. Oh, the puns that could be made with deep dive. Okay, moving on. I think actually the thing that, intrigues me most about this story. Is it happened, what, Saturday or thereabouts? So we're recording on a Monday, and this thing's already in the rearview mirror, largely on social media, which to me is it that Chris Evans has built up so much goodwill in the Hollywood community over the past decade or so, it's like, okay, you screwed up, moving on. Or is it the crazy news cycle that we live in now, where every day... 10 impossible things happen. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of that. Yeah, definitely yeah. a whole lot of that. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I would like to think that we've grown a little bit as a society, but I have this feeling that we haven't. And I still think that we're on the wrong side of a double standard right now. Cause if this were a female, like say it was Scarlett Johansson. Oh my goodness. There'd be links being shared all over the internet and there would be tongues, a wagon and Oh, it would just be horrible. And, and I'm sure that there would also be some shaming, you know, why has mm-hmm. she got pictures of herself naked unless she's just a dirty, dirty girl. And, uh, now we got Chris Evans who had a picture and everyone's just saying, look, look away, nothing to see here, which I respect. I'm glad that that's the mm-hmm. attitude right now. I just wonder if it would be different if it were one of uh, the female MCU stars instead, if, if there would to be a, a flip flop reaction, cause then I would be disappointed mm-hmm. in you fandom. Lower your head in shame, fandom. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: an interesting insight. Okay, but cool, cool.
1: Yeah, so in, in Chris's, we all know that he's got anxiety issues, and uh, we mm. all know it was an accident, and the only problem with the internet is if you make an accident, the entirety of the world gets to witness it if they choose to click on whatever link it is that that takes you to that accident. So Uh you either have to be a Luddite and just not have a cell phone, never have your picture taken like the old Amish believe, you know, your your soul is going to get stolen or something like that. If you have your photo taken, you either got to go that far Uh into it or you just got to accept the fact that, you know, be careful when you're doing screenshots and sends and and sharing on your tweets what it is that you're actually sending. Because, oh, my goodness, that can ruin your day, week, month, year, career, depending on Mm. what you're sending out accidentally.
0: Or you could be someone like myself who has so little skill when it comes to using a phone. The beauty of Jim Hill is you cannot tweet from your book. There we go! It's so safe there we to go. read a book. Well, before we get started here, want to note that the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Marvelous Disney Podcast. For a reward-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So we just talked about Chris Evans, who at this point is basically officially done with his Marvel Cinematic Universe duty, uh, barring that episode of Marvel What If, where Chris and Haley Atwell will be voicing the animated versions of Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. On the other hand, Chris Hemsworth, uh, who obviously plays Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just made it very clear that he has no intention of following Chris uh, Evans' example and when I say that, I don't mean unfortunate Instagram posts. A photo of Mjolnir. There we go. Okay. What uh, a mighty
1: hammer. Are you worthy to wield it? Oh, <laughs> oh God. There's oh, so so many oh. ways that we could go with this.
0: Wow. Okay. Remember the thing we weren't talking about? Okay. Anyway. This is
1: a different hammer.
0: This is a different hammer. All right. <laughs> there we go. All right. Mr. Hemsworth recently said... In an interview with a, the Polish version of L magazine, the question came up, would Chris be following Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr.'s example and soon be exiting the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And Hemsworth's response was, are you crazy? I'm not going to retire. Thor is far too young for that. He's only 1,500 years old. But then he got pressed a little bit on the, uh, in regard to the script to Thor and Love and Thunder. And what we know so far about this Taika Waititi film is that it's Natalie Portman's character, Jane Foster, who, oh, God, I, this is not a good phrase to use at this point after what you just said, who winds up wielding Thor's mighty hammer. Now also, it's, let's
1: stop here and point out the age difference. 1500 versus 30. Come on now. That's uh, robbing the cradle, Thor.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Hemsworth has read the script, and while he doesn't want to give any of the plot away, he says, Love and Thunder looks to be a lot more fun than Thor Ragnarok. There'll be a lot of love and lightning. But also, he said, look, after everything that happened in Endgame, I'm just glad that my character is still part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that we still get to continue the story of Thor. Without giving anything away, he said, look, Thor and Thunder is definitely not a movie where my character says goodbye to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or or at least I hope not. So Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, has a February 11th, 2022 release date. And in our last episode, we were talking about how Black Panther 2, which originally had a May 2022 release date, but now with Chadwick Boseman's uh, tragic passing, looks like Ant-Man three is going to be dropped into that slot and the casting announcement today pretty much bears that out,
1: right? It seems like if you're going to be making casting decisions all of a sudden, cause I haven't heard anything about Ant-Man three in a, in a minute. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, this is one of the first announcements coming out of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Well, then that would kind of indicate that they're moving forward on something. And that's Ant Man three, and if that's you know was supposed to be after Black Panther, it would kind of indicate hmm. that maybe they're moving it up into that slot so that can give them a little more breathing room to figure out how they're going to handle that situation. So mm-hmm. yeah, and fandom went crazy when they found out about the casting, or I don't know if it was the casting so much as it was who he's rumored to be playing because it's it's Kang the Conqueror and who's going to be played by uh, Jonathan Majors. Who does phenomenally mm-hmm. well in Lovecraft Country? I don't know if you've had a chance mm-hmm. to see that on the HBO Max, but that's creepy good fun.
0: Okay, now you mentioned the internet kind of lost its mind when this broke earlier today, mm-hmm. but that's for kind of an interesting reason. Uh, can can you explain oh, what it is uh, that uh,
1: speculation sprayed in every direction like blood? from a slasher movie victim it was crazy the, the directions that the speculation just flew out everywhere first does that prove that ant-man is being slid into black panther spot was the obvious question we've just addressed that mm-hmm. does this bridge us into a young avengers storyline because kang has been a common foe to that team in the uh recent past so a lot of people have been expecting that Hawkeye is going to be mentoring mm-hmm. his daughter to be young Hawkeye girl, and she's going to end up coming in as, as a part of the Young Avengers, and And people are making a connection to a, one of the TV shows that's not even been made yet, to a movie mm-hmm. that's not even being made yet. And when they come out, time-wise, that may line up. So who knows? that That may end up holding water in the future. But here's the one where it gets all crazy. Kang is possibly most likely related to Reed Richards, mm-hmm. like 10,000 years in the future. So they're not like cousins. They're mm-hmm. really far separated. And uh, everyone was like, well, because Kang is being played by a, a black man, that means that Reed's got to be a black guy too. And so then everyone was fan casting all of these you know, people of color to be Reed Richards. And I'm not against that. I got to say, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not against them swapping the race and ethnicity of, of one character for another. They did it in the last Fantastic Four. Uh, Michael B. Jordan got to play as Johnny Storm. Had no problem uh-huh. with that. It didn't affect the movie's outcome in one way or another. That was not the problem with that movie. A lot of people will dump on that movie, but he was not the problem that made it fail. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible that you know reed could be a person of color that would be fine if they did that but if you put 10,000 years between the birth of one human and another eh, color can change over 10,000 years depending on who the mom and pop end up being you know married to and along those timelines so you've got time for stuff to change with that and so and then finally Will that mean we get a Fantastic Four movie a lot sooner than we were anticipating? Does that mean it's right around the corner? And the answer to that is nope, nope, not even a little bit. Hmm. But if you if you think about that that question and answer then, does that mean that hmm. Kang is similar to our next Thanos? Is he our next big bad, or is he just a bad for now?
0: He's existed as far back as 63. I wanna say, in fact, didn't he come on the canvas as part of a Fantastic Four. I, uh, I, I would imagine I, so. I I think he
1: would be in the in the Kirby era back in the olden okay. day. And you know I've mm-hmm. never really liked Kang because I always thought he looked kind of goofy. And trust me, <laughs> I understand as a fan of Spider Man mm-hmm. and my love of Green Goblin, who is a character mm-hmm. with a silly rubber mask. I get mm-hmm. corny. It's fine, but he's just a blue dude that had a purple weird looking helmet. He was just you know time traveling know it all. And uh, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, he he was and he he was everybody's thorn in their side. I think he may have started with the Fantastic Four. I mean, obviously, if he's related to him, but he's so Mm -hmm. he starts so far in the future. And it was like he found a time machine by invented by Dr. Doom. So that kept it in the Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four family. Um, And then he goes back to the age of apocalypse back in the old Egyptian days.
0: That's and right. and
1: then yeah. he's all of a sudden in the X-Men canon there. Hmm. So it didn't matter if you had a marvelous team, you had a Kang hmm. that wanted to conquer you. I think he came out of Fantastic Four, and, and that's where everyone's latching on to the, well, we got to have a Fantastic Four movie. The, the minute after Ant-Man 3 gets done, expect a Fantastic <laughs> Four announcement. I just don't think that's what's going to happen.
0: It's interesting you bring up future Marvel projects. Because remember, uh was back in July of 2019, as part of their Hall H presentation, Marvel announced that they were going to be rebooting Blade. And not only that, but two-time Academy Award winner Maharshala Ali was going to be playing everyone's favorite vampire Hunter Vermeer in and- since then, it's been relatively quiet on that front. But Marvel, when they're putting a new film, getting it up, up off the ground, they set a production company. And typically what they try to do is pick a name for the production company that only the Marvel superfans will get. Mm-hmm. I want to see where this one lands with you, Aaron. The name of the supposedly the Blade production company is Grass-Fed Productions.
1: Yeah, love it. Perfect. Okay.
0: And why, why would you love that? Why, what is, what,
1: what, what is that about? Well, when you, when you hear grass fed, you think of a cow, you know, Mm -hmm. a a nice juicy steak. And -hmm. if we're talking about vampires, uh, you know, they, they want a healthy human, right? They don't want one of them Mm -hmm. doughy, fatty ones. They want a, a good, clean one, a free range human. So a grass fed (laughs) human, is a really good human to start off with. Right. Okay, (laughs) I really kind of hope if Morbius does well with Mm -hmm. Jared Leto, if Sony and MCU will cross at that point between Blade, Mm -hmm. the vampire hunter and Morbius, the vampire. The only problem I see with it is I think they're going to end up with a Freddy versus Jason scenario of pitting two. Uh, franchise names against each other. You can't have one legitimately beat the other one. Or, you know, like King Kong Mm -hmm. versus Godzilla. They both got to win, or they both got to live in the end somehow. Mm -hmm, So I mm -hmm. I don't know if uh, Sony would let there ever be a Blade versus Morbius, only so Blade can kill off Morbius.
0: I just have this uneasy feeling that once we get on the far side of our third Spider-Man home alone, whatever it is, we're gonna see a divergence that Sony's gonna, you know, play in its sandbox and Marvel's gonna play in its sandbox, and still hoping that Tom Holland still able to come over. But it seems like as aggressive as Sony has been about uh, new projects in the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I just just wonder how how much cross pollination they're willing to go for. And and while we're talking about. Films that are getting ready to get up out of the ground. We talked last week about the new director, Nia Da Costa, for Captain Marvel 2. When I was talking with the folks about getting the info about uh grasshead productions and how it was going to be shot in the UK, these folks at Marvel also mentioned oh, by the way, you know, Captain Marvel 2 also gonna be shot in the UK. But the weird part of it is to sort of circle back to Spider-Man, especially Far From Home. Mm-hmm. The new Captain Marvel 2 is supposed to be set in the modern day, so we're not back in the 1990s. It's also supposed to be shot not just at Pinewood, but also in the UK and at other locations in Europe. And it's just a part of me where it's like, didn't we just do this with Far From Home? Well, I don't know, because Captain Marvel is a bit of a spacey
1: hero. And I mm-hmm. would not be surprised at all to see something like... Uh, is there any place in Europe that could be another world, like scenically? If you're thinking about the mountains of of a certain region, whether I, don't, I think the Alps may be over photographed to be able to pass off as another land, but something like that.
0: I remember reading about when Disney was doing Return to Oz, but this was in the early '80s. They wanted to make a clear break from the '39. You know, the original Wizard of Oz. And they figured the easiest way to do that was to shoot this thing on location. You took these places from Oz, like the Deadly Desert, and you literally took, you know, folks to the Sahara and shot there. Or the ruins of Emerald City, I want to say they were going to go to Hadrian's Palace. But in the end, though, the budget got cut and, you know, ironically enough, just like the 39 film, they ended up being this basically soundstage bound thing. I think they did a little, uh, you know, shooting on location in Canada. So you're right. Maybe that maybe that is the idea, you know, travel around Europe, find all of these places that look like other planets and shoot there. Right. Also, to uh, circle back on a topic we talked about on last week's show, the Anaheim Avengers Campus, the e-ticket that's in the works for that the Battle of Wakanda project that was obviously thrown for a loop by losing Chadwick Boseman. But Aaron, you brought up while we were doing that, it's like, as I described the attraction, it's like, exactly how big was this show building going to be? Because it sounded like it was impossible to house all of this action inside of one structure. And so spent a couple days digging around and actually came up with some concept art, which I, I've sent you out ahead of t- tonight's show. Mm-hmm. But you can see there that there's first the piece of concept art for the the show we described last week where they, they, uh, the, where they placed that full-size quinjet on top of one of the show buildings in the Avengers, Anaheim Avengers Campus, mm-hmm. with a crane. And you can see, actually, the stunt show. I want to say it's Black Panther and and Black Widow chasing some unnamed villain off of the rooftop. But the very next shot, now you've got your building with the Quinjet in the foreground, and then looming up behind it is this absolutely massive show building. To give you some idea of, of how truly big this is probably going to be, thanks to our uh, Len and buddy Bio Reconstruct, we found uh, the shot of Epcot taken from a couple of thousand feet up, but you can see the full size spaceship Earth and Next to it, the old Universe of Energy building, but then behind that is this giant blue building, which is going to be where 90% of the action in Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is staged. Mm. And, you know, according to the folks at Disney, that building is big enough to house Spaceship Earth five times. So for the the East Coast version of the big e-ticket, we're looking for a stru- at a structure that's probably as big as what Cosmic Rewind is going to be housed in. The building with the Quinjet will be there, you know, when Anaheim Avengers Campus opens this fall. That is eventually going to be part of the entrance complex queue for the e-ticket. Years later, the show building that actually houses the e-ticket will be book- will be opened, and then going into the future, people who are queuing up for this ride are actually going to be able to look straight up and see the the stunt show happening. But as my friend in Imagineering who mentioned, Disney's really only done this once before where they built an entrance building and then later built the show building that the entrance building feeds into. And that was the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, the original one. That was built at the edge of the river overlooking Rivers of America. Back in 1963, and it wasn't till six years later that the Haunted Mansion actually opened to the public. And that was because it took them that long to final the design and then to figure out how to send people under the railroad and out to a giant show building just beyond the berm.
1: Was there anything that you could do during that six years in the first building, or was it just nope. roped
0: off? Really? No, in fact, they put up this black painted metal fence and they put up a sign where basically it was mentioning that if you wanted to join the 900 Happy Haunts, you could send a letter to Disneyland Ghost Relations and they would review your resume and consider you for whether or not you could take up residence. Well, and I'll pay them
1: in ghost money then while we're at it. But OK, <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> I don't think anybody at Disney anticipated that you know we build the building in 63 and we won't open the ride till 69 i don't think you know nobody figured that walt would die in 66 or for that matter disney would come back from the 64 world's fair with all of this new technology all of these new ride systems it really wasn't until they invented the omni mover where it's like oh okay now we know how to do this but that wasn't invented till 67 for journey uh, through inner space so here
1: in the Avengers campus, this main building that has the Quinja, it's a two-story building. It looks like, you know, uh, maybe concrete and metal, but definitely lots of glass on the front side. I'm going to guess that you'll probably have uh, a couple of Iron Man suits in there, maybe a Captain America shield put up on the wall. I mean, if it's going to be a place where you would queue through, mm-hmm. and, and it's supposed to be the Avengers campus when they kind of make this like a place where the Avengers are, are hanging out doing their daily stuff and you'll, you'll see all the props. Well, will this, I guess I'm asking, will this be a walkthrough museum of cool Marvel
0: stuff? Our problem right now is we are dealing with COVID-19 and Disney has put a pause on over $900 million worth of construction. If it was already moving forward, before the COVID-19 shutdown, it can still go forward. But if you didn't have steel going up, if you d- hadn't already poured concrete, that project stopped. Yes, the building is done, and yes, they already paid for the Quinjet, so that's going on the roof, and yes, they have plans for the stunt show because we were already talking last week about you know them holding the casting sessions. Mm-hmm. But if you're working in the prop department and you were the guy who was tasked to fill that building... I have the uneasy feeling that you're going to be able to look in through the glass windows at a a minimally decorated space for a while. Before we jump off of the
1: Avengers campus, the first two are obviously the building. However the third picture looks like a big huge splash panel out of Marvel Comics. There's no Mm -hmm. way that this is a stunt show because half of the cast is flying and we know that they're not going to be flying. So this image is
0: a flight of fancy from no actually if you look in the left center you will see what looks like a flying chair oh this is the actual rides this is the 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 battle the Mm -hmm. battle of wakanda at this point you have flown out of the Quinjet on your in your battle chair, and you are assisting the Avengers as they try to save the capital of Wakanda from whatever this invasion is.
1: If it's in the context of the ride, I, I can see that being staged from element to element, where you see, you know, Hulk smash mm-hmm. one moment, you go zooming by, someone does, you know, a, a beta blast, mm-hmm. you go zooming on by. That could be really cool if they find a way to capture all of these individual moments, but I'm also noticing, Jim, that it looks like it is happening outdoors. Is that projection? Is that the gimmick for this to do like what they did with Mickey and Minnie's
0: Runaway Railway? Yes and no, because remember when Len came across that patent for an early version of the Spider-Man ride where you were basically supposed to hang at the end of like a pendulum. Oh, the pendulum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Love the idea. yeah, swing through the Kansas the city. And the idea was they were going to use projection on the floor to sell you on the idea that you were 15 stories up. And that to either side, there were practical sets of actual apartment buildings. And the notion was that each time you swung, you, you came close to an actual apartment it would look in and it'd be a show scene or that right. sort of thing. So this is supposedly the same thing with the e-ticket, but the notion is that you don't need to eat up all of your ceiling with an armature that can only carry a certain number of passengers at a time that has to travel through this giant show building. The very same imaginer who pointed me to this material wanted to stress that it's like, we are still doing scope, We've got wonderful individual effects we can do that will convince you that you're right next to Hawkeye as he fires off a, an arrow. or You still have to go to the board of directors and go, A, hey, we need this much money. you know. And especially right now, with so much stuff on hold and so much stuff, the concern in Imagineering is that we have all of these great ideas and we just don't know when Disney's ever going to be in a position again to say, yes, spend all yeah. the money, do that. So, entertainment has changed in a very, very large way because of of COVID-19, and when Aaron and I get back from break here, we're going to talk about how the coronavirus may yet again be screwing up Black Widow's plans. Not to be annoying, but I did want to point out that the movie that you said would never arrive in theaters, yeah, yeah, uh, never make it, it just had its third weekend in domestic release.
1: And I bet they regret that decision and wish they had never come
0: out and taken my damn advice. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're probably not wrong. Did you see how much money it made this past weekend? no. Still number two at the box office. It only yeah, but may- how many... Does, uh,
1: let's uh, break out some facts and numbers to go along with that. Mm-hmm. What else actually, besides Tenant? because we know that was number one, mm-hmm. what else has been out besides th- those two movies? Can you name any of them? Anyone.
0: Anyone. Uh, see, that's the thing. For example, a drive-in just down the street from us. They were doing like Goonies and Gremlins. And I mean, they were, you know, right. the, you know they do a Harry Potter double teacher. I mean, them that were back in the business, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of new product. But even with this being new product, third week in a release only sold uh, 2.1 million worth of tickets, which when you understand the tenant, and again, brand new tenant, brand new Christopher Nolan film, only managed to sell 6.7 million million dollars worth of tickets. It's one of those things where you kind of put it in perspective that way, but even so, those are ridiculously anemic numbers. So the
1: short version to the studios Mm -hmm. is wishful thinking does
0: not beat reality? Uh, According to the survey that Harris Poll folks just did, 71% of the adults that they polled said they would not feel safe in a movie theater right now. When New Mutants first opened in theaters, tail end of August, 62% of the theaters in the country were open. As of right now, it's 70, but at the same time, it's 70, but they're either operating at 25 to 50% of capacity. Even if they do today's equivalent of full houses, they're still only selling 25 to 50% of the tickets they sold in their prime. So it's probably not a coincidence that after Warner Brothers had... A week's worth of business to look at ticket sales for Tenet. And the interesting thing is, I don't know if you saw the stories, but Warner Brothers, for the first time ever, was not sharing with the other studios how well Tenet was doing. I mean, normally there's this kind of a professional courteous situation. We did this over the weekend. We sold this many tickets. And Warner Brothers, this time around, just would not reveal that info. But just this past weekend, as part of the second DC Fandom event, they announced that Wonder Woman 1984 was moving again. It was shifting its release date from October 2nd all the way to December 25th. That's 12 weeks, Aaron.
1: As well, it should. Well, no, first, it should have come out like a year ago before we had to worry about COVID. I don't even know what it was that made them change their mind and Mm. push back at that moment but it was a bad decision and they all regret it now i'm certain Mm -hmm. but now uh after seeing a big huge name director never had a failure big bombastic sound and score and actors and budget the size of jupiter Mm -hmm. and it fails miserably why Because there's a pandemic going on, man. You can't wish stuff away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think the studios are going to see when Christopher Nolan takes a lump on the noggin Mm -hmm. for not making the money back. It's because they released it at the wrong time. And they thought that they go, well, if we put the right bait out there, we're going to all the fish are going to come and it's going to be a feeding frenzy for everybody. And people are scared, man, and it's not the right time. So I guess lay off. We can't can't release it on Disney Plus, as we mentioned before, because if you release everything now on your streaming service, when we do get past COVID, the theaters will have no content when they are able to open up, and they're gonna die in that way. So we have to save something for them. So I think the studios have to do the right thing now, which is put everything on hold, Don't even come up with a second release date. Just say, it's on hold. When stuff gets better, we'll talk then. Until then, stuff's not normal. You get it. It's not our fault. We're trying to be safe and not lure people into a closed room by the dozens and lock you in for two hours so you can sit there and breathe on each other.
0: Well, it's also worth noting here that part of the studio thinking was, okay, so... We still have issues here in the States. I mean, by the time the show drops on on the 18th, supposedly 200,000 people will have died in the States. But overseas, it was supposedly a different situation. It was that they had it under control. In fact, that was the rationale at both Warner Brothers and Disney. It's the effect of, okay, so we won't do well in the States, but at least internationally, you know, China's open We can put it out there. So Tenet goes out there and Mulan goes out there. And the New York Times today, the headline for the article was Disney's Mulan disappoints at the Chinese box office. They only did $23 million over their opening weekend. And nobody at Disney was expecting that. In fact, they had convinced themselves that if there was no COVID, Mulan would have been yet another one of Disney's billion-dollar earners, and a lot of that money would have been strictly made in China. There's a couple of other, you know side issues here with the China release of Mulan. Liu Yifei, the actors who played the title character voiced her support for the the Hong Kong police during the pro-democracy things, and there were calls to boycott the movie because of that. And then Disney made the decision to shoot some of the live action of this in Xinjiang province. Because, again, hey, nobody's ever shot there before. We want a unique look for the film. Unfortunately, this Northwest portion of China is where the Chinese government maintains its detention camps for the Uyghur Muslims, so those two were artificial drags on the movie. But at the same time, this is a $200 million movie, Aaron, with another 50 to $75 million that was spent on promotion. So $29 a pop to sell it you know, as a premium offering on Disney Plus, or for that matter, $232 million worth of tickets selling in China over the opening weekend, you're not going to recover your production cost for that. I would love
1: to find out and I I doubt we'll ever get this number but I really want to know how many Disney Plus subscribers paid the $30 price tag was it for the down to be able to watch it for the, the rental I'm
0: I'm and working s- on those those numbers but the, my friend at Disney Plus flat out told me mm-hmm. he said look you know part of the problem here is that We got so many damn subscribers for Hamilton. People just came out of the woodwork and, oh my God, I have to see this. I would say, give me the numbers of your subscribers before Hamilton, and then tell me how many
1: people purchased Mulan. I bet you it's a very small number in the grand scheme of things.
0: As soon as I get those, numbers, I'll share. But okay, back to Marvel's Black Widow. Remember, originally supposed to open up spring of this year, May 1st. In April, because of COVID, gets pushed off to November 6th. Marvel's Black Widow had been in development at Marvel Studios for more than a decade. Scarlett Johansson talks about how Kevin Feige first talked to her about a standalone Black Widow movie while they were doing PR for Iron Man 2. Just like Mulan, very expensive proposition. It's just seven weeks before Black Widow is supposed to arrive in theaters. And if you're you're an executive at Disney Theatrical right now, you're looking at Tenet and Mulan struggling at the box office for a variety of reasons— You have that Harris poll about 71% adults who don't feel safe about going to movie theaters. And you just saw Warner Brothers blink. Or or was that panic? And push back the release of Wonder Woman 1984 by 12 weeks from October 2nd to Christmas Day. Meanwhile, you look ahead and you've got Eternals set up for a February 2021 release. Shang-Chi is going into theaters just 12 weeks after that on May 7th. And then this is kind of a six-month lag... Before the next live-action Spider-Man, the the sequel to 2017's Homecoming and 2019's Far From Home, arrives in theater in December of 2001. And and, and even then, there's an eight-week gap between when that arrives in theaters and when Thor Love and Thunder shows up in February of 2021. That six-month gap between Shang-Chi and the third Spidey is what's going to save their ass. That at least allows them to yet again, move the tiles around the board.
1: They don't, they don't know. They didn't know. No, they don't. They don't know a damn thing right now.
0: They don't know
1: what's going to happen. So why even try to mess with the calendar?
0: I asked the same question. Why even pick out a new date? And it's just sort of like, because we have our partners in exhibition and in turn, all of these movie theaters have employees. We can't just say, screw it, we're going to wait for a vaccine, because that means that industry dies.
1: If you can't have the public come into the theater because they're scared, 70% of your audience just said, I -hmm. ain't coming to your theater because I'm scared, Mm -hmm. and you're going to release movies anyway. Mm -hmm. So 30% of your potential audience is already destined for failure. First off, they want to keep their job. Mm Mm-hmm. And if their job is putting a date on a calendar, guess what they're going to do? Put a date on a calendar. Harvey, what are you doing? Put a date on a calendar. Good job, Harvey. That's what they're doing right now is they're keeping their job. The reality is they don't know what What's happening with the world? They know that 70% of their potential audience is gone. It's not a good time to release in theaters, mm-hmm. but they're going to do it anyway. And they're just going to wish, wish, wish upon a star that everything will be twinkly and bright and perfect and wonderful if the right thing comes out. And guess what? Christopher Nolan's got a lump on his head that will testify no, s- don't work that
0: way. From when. Uh, New Mutants opened August twenty eighth. We had sixty two percent of the theaters open. Then the following weekend, sixty five. Now seventy. And I know we have that Harris poll that says seventy one percent of adults are you know are afraid to go back to a movie theater now. But the notion is that with these theaters that are open in the country, seventy you know seventy percent of them right now operating at twenty five to fifty percent capacity. But the hope at the studio level is people who have gone back to the movie theaters are talking with their friends about, Hey, I saw new mutants. I saw a tenant, but I enjoyed it. I had a good time. And the next time a a movie comes out, let's go.
1: The only thing that means to me right now is the second that tenant came out started Tenet. a clock for me to count down when tenant comes out on VOD. Mm. That's all that means to me right now. It's not just the uh. fact that it's 70% of the crowd doesn't want to go. You mm-hmm. got to do the math of, only 70 percent of the theaters are open and Mm -hmm. only 30 percent of the audience is willing to go into that 70 percent of theaters which can only hold 25 to 50 percent of your audience anyway i mean split that number down any finer
0: you're right the business plan right now of this only this 30 percent of people who are brave enough to go to these movie theaters that only operate at twenty-five to fifty percent of capacity with the hope that this turns around the industry. And and you're a movie, you know, your movie studio who spent $200 dollars to make your movie. And and again, seven weeks now, seven weeks from today the show airs to when Black Widow is supposed to arrive in theaters. And if you're Disney, are you willing to take that bet right now? Go, go even further, Jim,
1: mm-hmm. of look at your choices of, you know, whether you like Christopher Nolan or not. He's a great director. And yeah, a lot of people love him. But really, you've got two choices. You've got an X-Men spin-off of a franchise that we already considered dead. And and then you got Tenet And But there's really no diversity. You know, we were talking about the whole Asian market and Silk as a character to kind of lure them into something to watch. Uh, we're talking about one big movie, but if Hollywood was working as normal and we had nine hundred off- offerings this week in the box office mm-hmm. because my dad mm-hmm. does not give one l- spit of interest about a mutant, much less a new one
0: mm-hmm.
1: So he's not going to be tempted to go uh, enter a theater over a new mutant. And he doesn't know who Christopher Nolan is, so he doesn't give a damn about that name either. Mm -hmm. So you have to consider, on a global scale, we need more than just one and a half movies to exist for the industry to recover. you got to get back to normal. And if it's not back to normal and you're just limping along with something that you had on the shelf and you're just throwing meat out there, it's not going to be eaten. It's going to rot. That's the difference, and I just—that's why I think the whole process is really stupid right now. Mm-hmm. Of you guys realize we're still struggling in certain areas, and you need New York and California. And guess oh, what? God. California is all on fire. Nobody mm-hmm. in California gives two shits about a movie right now. The whole state's on fire. But you know, hey, we got to save the film industry. So let's release Christopher Nolan's movie and pray that that fixes everything. I'm sorry, Jim, but the biggest problem of us as humans as a species is we always have a very, very, very complex problem, mm-hmm. and we think we can solve it with one simple thing. We need a a simple band aid that will fix all of the world's woes, and it's just not that easy. It's always a very complex, multi layered. 38 pronged process that that usually fixes the thing. And and we're not able to to think that deep past it. The movie studio can only think about, well, we can only release a movie or not release a movie. Those are the only two strategies that exist in the entire world. I have to go have a six martini lunch because I'm exhausted now.
0: Hey, you're not wrong
1: i feel like grumpy old man but i want to have a dose of reality i can't just be cheery and go everything will be fine guys everything will be just hunky dory just nah. go ahead and release your movie and everybody will flock to the theater because it's entertainment and we all need a dose of that right now and it's like yeah we do but i'm also subscribing to 32 streaming options right now i don't have to get off my couch and risk my life for a
0: movie. Like I said, seven weeks before Black Widow was supposed to arrive in theaters. And if, if I'm a betting man within the next month, we're going to hear about that film getting pushed off into 2021. So when that happens, Aaron and I will talk about it on this podcast, which is part of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We also have a lot of other shows here, folks. We have Disneyish with Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We have uh, Looking at Lucasome with Dan Z. We have the Universal Joint Podcast with Dustin Fuse. If you could do Aaron and I a favor and head over to iTunes, and rate and recommend this show. And if you really, really, really enjoy what you hear here tonight, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And we look forward to seeing you there. And, uh, Aaron and I look forward to chatting with you again, uh, hopefully with, with happier news and, and till then, uh, thanks for listening.